0: listening to the week ahead podcast from strong towns hosted by me rachel Quedno. this is your chance to catch up on the latest events and goings on behind the scenes of the strong towns organization tune in every monday for more updates Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Week Ahead podcast. I'm your host, Rachel, and my guest today is Strong Towns member and contributor, Daniel Harridges. Daniel, welcome to the Strong Towns podcast.
1: Thank you. It's um, good to be on.
0: So do you want to take just uh, 30, 60 seconds to tell us a little bit about yourself and your involvement with Strong Towns?
1: Sure. So I've um, been a Strong Towns member and a contributor for a few years. Um, I'm a recent master's degree graduate in urban planning. Um, got my master's just last year from the University of Minnesota. But um, I got involved with Strong Towns a few years before that. Honestly, I'd been reading the blog, and I loved the blog. And Chuck Marone came to the town I was living at the time to give a talk, and I just cornered him and said, I'm from the Twin Cities originally. I want to volunteer. What can I do? Um, so it's a wonderful organization, and I've loved watching it grow, and I've loved being involved and having a a platform to contribute to the conversation.
0: Well, we've loved having you. And one of the things that you've been writing about lately, uh, which has been an ongoing series for the last few months, is the issue of gentrification. Very uh, hot and popular uh, topic of discussion, especially for people who live in cities or care about cities. So we can get into the specifics a little bit in a minute, but what got you interested in this topic in the first place? I mean, obviously, you know, people are talking about it. But, like, what what motivated you to really dive into it and write about it?
1: I mean, honestly, the the word is is ubiquitous. I went through two years of graduate school in urban planning and probably didn't go a day without hearing someone say the word gentrification. Yeah. Yet there's an extraordinary amount of disagreement or confusion about what it means, what qualifies, what doesn't, um, and sort of a fragmented discourse about the whole idea. Um, and so kind of a, you know an ongoing minor obsession of mine during graduate school was the notion that there were these two intellectual traditions, both of which were very important to my work and that I was hearing about every day, and that really don't talk to each other very well. Um, and I really wanted to try to get to the bottom of why is that and how can we bridge that? Um, and what are those
0: hand, two traditions?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on the one hand, you've got kind of the urbanist tradition that goes all the way back to planning roots in, in landscape architecture with Frederick Lawl instead, and the designer of Central Park, um, and through figures like Jane Jacobs in the 20th century. Um, And then more recently, I think strong towns, for most of our listeners, belong to this world. I think the new urbanist movement belongs to this world. Um, So these are people whose concern is with the built form of cities, the land use, the urban design, what makes a street walkable and vibrant. Um, And there were some really profound insights within that tradition about what kind of places that we could build are likely to be prosperous and dynamic and fiscally productive um, and ultimately offer a high quality of life. Um, So urbanists have a really compelling vision of what the good city looks like and what we should be aspiring to, um, but are often somewhat agnostic to questions of who is that city for, who's going to live there, who's going to be at the table in decisions about building it. Um, And then on the other side, you've got folks who are very concerned with equity and social justice and making sure that cities are serving all of their residents and not leaving huge swaths of people behind. Um, and those people have a lot to say about inequality and access to opportunity, um, but often come across as very agnostic to questions of urban form. So, like, when I talked to the guy who taught my neighborhood revitalization course, um, it was an absolutely wonderful course that took a really holistic historical view mm-hmm. um, of how urban neighborhoods that have declined have gotten into the straits that they're in today through bad public policy, redlining, other forms of institutional racism, discrimination, um, and yet this this instructor would have very little to say. He didn't seem to have strong opinions about the role that land use policy or zoning or urban design had to play in neighborhood revitalization. Um, to him, the prevailing question was, who's at the table, who benefits, who has the power, and who has the resources? Um, So, of course, there's overlap, and all sorts of people care deeply about both of these things. There are are a lot of people who care about having a high-quality physical environment and about improving the social conditions in cities Mm -hmm. so that that environment isn't just a playground for wealthy people. Um, But I think there's a disconnect in the language between the urbanist camp and the social justice and equity camp. Um, And I think there are a lot of missed opportunities to find common ground and to forge alliances because of that.
0: Yeah, I, I think you did a really amazing job of, like, teasing out those differences and also moving towards uh, uniting those goals. Um, and you were not shy about calling out, you know, you you cited plenty of articles that we've published on Strong Towns. Um, this is a topic that we've written about plenty of times from different perspectives. Um, so I like that you you weren't afraid to highlight those and kind of counter those, but also um, talk about how we could kind of bring these perspectives together. I think your, your most recent piece, uh, Rough Waters, Gentrification and Cataclysmic Money, was really the one that like nailed it in for me and uh, really persuaded me, and it was fantastic. Um, and I would say the comment section really... Uh, evidence is that it's very unusual to have a comment section on an article where most of the comments are like this is such a great thought-provoking piece can't wait to read the next one um of course there are a few that like ask different questions and things but well done seriously um
1: thank you i'm glad that it seems to have resonated with people
0: yeah so you have one more piece coming to close out the series, what can we expect in that? Is there going to be a magic solution?
1: Um, No, there are no (laughs) magic (laughs) solutions to any of this. Unfortunately.
0: Um,
1: I'm hoping to talk about what kind of policy toolkits might promote sort of a gentrification-proofing agenda that can get us past these really destructive circular discussions about is this neighborhood gentrifying? Isn't it gentrifying? What does gentrification even mean? Do we need to be worried about it? Yeah, um is it all just a big myth? Is it overblown? you know i I think that there's a lot of room for common ground between people on all sides of this issue over what can we do to make sure that neighborhoods without obsessing over how far along this gentrification path they are or aren't, or is that new hipster coffee shop going to ruin the neighborhood forever? Yeah. Um, Let's talk about why it is that we have such crazy disparities, that we have neighborhoods in deep decline that have seen almost no new development in decades, that we have neighborhoods where new development proceeds at a frenetic pace and where it seems like the benefits of economic growth in most metropolitan areas are distributed very patchily and very unevenly. And there are some root causes behind that um, that are things that strong towns, I think, as a movement, have a really cogent analysis of. Um, There are ways in which development regulations um, produce economies of scale, produce sort of a bias toward bigness where only large developers buying up a whole block and doing a 200-unit apartment complex are able to get into the market in a lot of cases. Yeah. Um, forms of smaller-scale incremental investment might be infeasible because of the cost of regulatory compliance and the delay and uncertainty involved. They might... um they might be straight up outlawed by the zoning code. In a lot of places, you can't build a duplex. You can't build an accessory dwelling unit or a a six-unit apartment building. Um, There are a lot of incremental things where people might have a great idea and just have no means of accessing the financing to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And the economic development profession has a really limiting toolkit, I think, in terms of Focusing on tax incentives, how can we lower a big company that's going to create several hundred jobs, but we're not looking at how can we nurture entrepreneurs within our communities who have an idea and just don't have the startup money. Um, So expect to see some stuff about that. I'm looking at how can we dismantle this bias toward bigness to make it possible for neighborhoods that don't have a lot of wealth and that have some inherited disadvantages to start building wealth internally, incrementally. Um, and instead of relying on an outside developer to gentrify or revitalize or whatever loaded term you want to use, how can we generate lasting, sustainable, homegrown prosperity in all of our places?
0: Well, I can definitely get behind that. I think our Strong Towns listeners would agree. Um, moving on, I just want to highlight for everyone that we have, first of all, uh, our strongest town contests. Applications are still open. You can nominate your town. Um, but those applications are closing on February 25th. So get your nomination in. We would love to have a really great swath of cities, towns, big, small, all over the place. We have had a lot of applications from the Midwest. So if you're from another region, we'd like you to show up and show us that there are strong towns everywhere. Um, This is going to be a really fun contest that's going to kick off in March, so nominate and get excited to participate. We also have an event coming up February 20th uh, in West Palm Beach, Florida. Um, That's going to be a public presentation at 5.30 p.m. at City Hall, so uh, come on down if you're in that area and join us. Daniel, thanks for being on the podcast and we can look forward to the final article in your series, um, coming up in the next few days. So I'm I'm excited to publish that. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Daniel. Uh, have a great rest of your week and, uh, take care.
1: All right. You too. Thanks.
0: Okay. Bye. We need your help. If you think the Strong Towns message is important, don't keep it to yourself. Pass it on. You can get more information and sign up to be a member of Strong Towns at strongtowns.org.